Ephesians chapter 2. We read this together. Can we bring it up on the screen? And uh, I'm going to count to three, and we all read it out loud together. Are you ready? All right, here we go. One, two, three. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. One more. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Amen. And now let's, let's just pray. Come on, let's invite the Holy Ghost to speak to our hearts and change our lives. Mighty God, we just thank you for your word. And we ask you to speak to us today. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking today. And I bind every work of the enemy. He who would try to distort or distract or confuse your word as it comes forward. Lord, let us receive all that you desire of us to in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say, amen. amen. You may be seated. This is, uh, I've got one more week that I'm going to do on our series. Does anybody know the name of our series? Mm, all right. First steps. First steps. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad that you guys still remember Better Together. We spent like nine months on Better Together, so... I won't get upset with you for that. You remember. In fact, I'm going to reference that theme quite a bit today. Um, this series that we've been on, I've been just really sharing and just, just amazed at how God is building his church right here in Kona. As I looked around, and even, even our leaders who came in for the training yesterday were just remarking like, Everybody I talk to has gotten saved or moved here or gotten plugged into this church in the last year. Uh, you know, I know the COVID situation, certain churches have closed down and, and some of you have come in through that. But I just, I, I look at this and I'm like, God, you brought us here in perfect timing. You have raised up this church in exactly the right time when it was needed for this city and for this people. And, uh, and one of the things that I consider is, is so many of us have come from different backgrounds and so many of us, even a year ago, maybe you were worshiping somewhere else or maybe you were living in the world, whatever the situation may be. Well, what do we believe as a church? What should we believe according to Scripture? How are we going to be unified around certain doctrines? Uh, and I don't know when I say doctrine, that sounds like a boring religious word, but uh, doctrine's important. It's, it's what we believe. Theology. If you ever hear anybody say, uh, you know, I don't believe in theology. I just believe in the power of God. You know, listen, I love the power of God. I love these Holy Ghost moments where, boy, bodies are just flying all over the place and people laughing, people crying, people shaking. I, I'm all about it, man. I want glory clouds and gold dust and angel feathers and all of it. Praise God. Um, but, but I love theology. You know what theology is? It is literally the word breaks down to the study of God. Don't you think that's important that we know about our God? 
Well, that's what this whole series is about. We've talked about the great exchange, how Jesus died to take our sin and give us his righteousness. We talked about the importance of the Bible. You guys all read your Bible? Oh, you better start. Hallelujah. Uh, and the importance of, you know, what a privilege it is that we have the scripture in our own language. Uh, we talked about the importance of prayer and revival prayer and what supplication is. And you can go back and listen to all these on our YouTube. Uh, we talked about baptism, what it is to be received, baptized into the body of Christ and water baptism and even the Holy Spirit baptism Last week I talked about the power to be a witness by the power of the Holy Spirit. But today, I, I, I really wrestled with if I should even do the message today. But as I prayed, I felt like I should. I want to talk about the church. I want to talk about how to find a good church. And I want to talk about why it's important that we participate in the local church. And the, the second part, I think, is what you're going to find very relevant, but why I want to talk about why it's important. This is the reason that I really felt like the Lord impressed on me. No, we need to share about this. I know there's people that maybe you're watching online or you've not yet come to the church, and you're like, well, how do I know if this is a good church? Well, I'm going to tell you how I measure what a good church is or not. The other thing I know, did you know that across our nation, the average church attrition rate. Uh, do you know what attrition rate? It means that over the course of a year, how many people will go out of the church just naturally? I'm not talking about the church splits or people backsliding. No, it's just people move, people die, you know, people have new work situations, and so they're not attending where they were. Across the nation, the attrition rate is 10%. So if your church is not growing by 10% at least every year, you're going to be in decline. Okay? In Hawaii, the attrition rate for the average church across our state is over 25%. Why? Because it's hard to live here. People got to work two, three jobs. People move all the time. Uh, of course, natural causes. People die. People get married. People, you know, all these, all these life-changing situations. So by that statistic, if that's accurate, a quarter of this room within a year is going to be looking for a good church in a new area. Some of you are going to go into nations and, uh, and it's like, I'm a missionary over here, but I need to base out of a good church. Well, how do you gauge what a good church is? Um, well, there's, there's three things that I think you need to identify a good church. And I'm going to go through these very quickly. You can dig into this more on your own. But the first question I think ought to be answered about any church is, what do they believe about the Bible. What do they believe about the Bible? Because if they do not believe in the authority of Scripture, I'm going to tell you flat out, that's not the church for you. If the pastor doesn't preach from the Bible, if he preaches from, uh, you know, a newspaper, if he preaches from, uh, you know, movie clips, uh, whatever, you know, you're on a shaky foundation. I'm okay using movie clips in a sermon. I don't I've actually, I don't know if I've ever done that, but, uh, you know, I'll reference it, illustration, but it's not the foundation of what I preach. You understand? The Bible is the foundation of what I preach. And so, what do they believe about the Bible? We believe that it is, in, everybody say, inspired, inerrant, and infallible. 
I'm not going to spend much time on this, but these are very important words in, in regards to the Bible. We believe it's inspired. That means that we believe that the author of the Bible is God. It was God-inspired writers, but here's, here's where this is important, and here's how I want you to understand what inspired is. It's not just that God picked out a person like you know, Samuel or Moses or Paul and gave them ideas and say, just say it however you want. That's not inspired. Inspired is God downloaded to them very specific instruction and what ended up in Scripture. Every word is what the Lord intended to be in Scripture. That's what it means to be inspired. That's why I believe having a word-for-word translation is very important for us. So uh, it's inspired. Everybody say inspired. Inerrant, it means uh, that we don't believe there's error in the Bible. That as God inspired Scripture, uh, what he intended to end up in Scripture is what is there. Now, there are different translations, and some translations are better than others, but as far as the canon of Scripture, we believe that it is inerrant. Amen? Now, the last one, I know this isn't real exciting. I'm going to get on to more exciting stuff. But I'm trying to help you, okay? Because some of you in your church shopping, you need to know this. You go ask the pastor after the first service. What do you believe about the Bible? And if they say words like inerrant, inspired, you're going to know that, all right, I think, I think we're okay. So uh, infallible is the last one. Infallible. The Bible is incapable of error, but here's the more important part. It will accomplish exactly what God intended it to. That means that the Bible is still relevant to us today. It's not like, wow, this 2,000-year-old you know, prophet, uh, that doesn't have much to do with us today. No, according to the Bible, there's nothing new under the sun. And I believe that God inspired the writers all throughout Scripture to speak exactly to situations that you and I deal with today. So it's very important. The second question we must answer as we're identifying a good church is, what do they believe about God? What do they believe about God? And this really all comes down to one one idea. This is how you can get a great grasp on whether a church has a right view of God or not. Do they believe in the Trinity? Do they believe God eternally existent in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? I'm going to say that phrase again. One God. Everybody say one God eternally existent in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I'm teaching you some theology today, okay? This is important. So what we believe is God, one God, eternally existent. That means that he's been around forever. Jesus didn't come into existence when he was born of a virgin 2,000 years ago. According to the Bible, Jesus was present at creation. From the foundation of the earth, Jesus was there. Holy Spirit was there. The Father was there. God is eternally existent, and he has three unique persons through which he accomplishes his will. The Father. Now, most religions believe in the Father. They believe in God. Islam would claim we believe in the same God, but where we differ is very important. 
Because they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe in God incarnate in Jesus. And so I've had Muslims tell me, oh, we believe in the same God. And my response is the same, straight out of Ephesians. Really? You believe in the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, no, 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 no. That's not the God. I know that was a mouthful, but that's how Paul described his God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the other part of the Trinity is the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. I just like, it's Holy Spirit. I like Holy Ghost. It just feels more powerful. Um, Holy Ghost. Uh, Now, you could talk to a, a Mormon, or you could talk to a Jehovah's Witness, and they say, they may even claim that they believe in the Trinity, but they will, they will differ when it comes to the Holy Spirit. They will say, well, the Holy Spirit's not a person. The Holy Spirit's a force. The Holy Spirit is just the power of God. And I say, no. Holy Spirit is a person. And, and, and Dr. Morocco does a great teaching on this, actually. He shows where the Holy Spirit has emotions. It has a will. It has personality. And you can see the distinct characteristics in the person of the Trinity. So we believe in the Trinity. Amen? Now, the third thing, how are we going to find a good church? So you're going to go and you're going to ask the pastor if you're, if you're coming into a new church. Now, prayerfully, you know, you're, you're here in Kona. You're going to stick with us. All right. But I'm talking about for those of you, you, you're going to move next year or five years from now. You're going to remember. You're going to go ask the pastor after, after the message, tell me what you believe about the Bible. And you're going to say, do you believe in the Trinity? If they say no, you know, well, I don't always preach out of the Bible or oh, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe in this or that about God, uh, that's not your church. I'm just going to tell you, that's not your church. Don't go in there and try and change that about that church. Uh, uh, Run. That's what you do. (laughs) Now, the third thing, and this is very important to me. This is, well, for real. If you go into a church that does not believe in in the Trinity, there's a pretty high likelihood that that church would fall under the category of a cult. So for real, be careful. If they don't believe in the Trinity, there's a high likelihood they're not even Christian. Even though they say words that may sound like us. Be careful, okay? Uh, So what do they believe, number three, about the Holy Spirit? And this all comes down to, to, to really one thing. I want to be a part of what God is doing in this last day. I want to be a part of what the Lord is doing in this day, in this age. And the Bible says, you, you know, do you know why we contend for revival as a church? Does anybody know why? I mean, yeah, we've received a lot of prophetic words about this. We got Prophet Paez a couple weeks ago, revival's coming. But, you know, I know you guys got excited. I have got that same word about 9,000 times in my life. And I receive it, and I believe it. I've had Rodney Howard Brown, I've had Steve Hill and Cindy Jacobs, and we could list all the the credible sources that have said revival's going to flow into your church, revival's coming through your lives, you carry revival, and on and on and on. That is not the primary reason that I burn for revival. It's not because my fathers were, were men of revival and birthed in revival. That's not what it is. The number one reason I believe for revival is because the Bible 
prophesied that in the last days I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, on sons and daughters, on men and women, on young and old. They will dream dreams. They will see visions. They will prophesy. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a mass harvest of souls. I believe for it because the Bible said that's what God is doing in this last day. So I get concerned when I walk into a church. They don't even believe in prophecy. They don't even believe in the empowerment of the Spirit of God to do works of ministry. That concerns me greatly. Personally, I'm not going to that church. If we don't have moments, you know, you know why I make you uncomfortable every single service and make you pray for people? I know that's not a seeker-sensitive thing to do. I know that. But uh, is Trish in the room? She's on the live stream. She'll probably be in our second service. Trish began attending our church probably eight or nine months ago. She's been here for a little while now. And she was one that I know I pulled her out of her comfort zone when I asked her to pray for people around her. But she came to us with a testimony about a month after her being involved in our church. And she said, Pastor Jacob. I was sitting in a hospital waiting room. I was there supporting a friend, and there was somebody who was sick next to me. And I felt this boldness come on me, and I felt like I actually could pray for this, this young girl who was sitting next to me. She never had confidence to do that kind of thing, but because we had practiced it here in the church, she felt equipped now to pray for somebody in public. I love it. I love it. I know some of you guys are already doing that kind of thing, but I know some of us only within the last months have learned, like, well, I've always had a prayer team pray for me. I always had the pastor pray for me, but no. The Bible says that these signs will follow all that believe. You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You'll cast out devils. Hallelujah. You can call Minister Rylan if you ever manifest in devils, and he'll come. Come walk you through it, all right? Well, we've cast out a lot of devils. I actually really enjoy deliverance ministry. So, um, I, I, for real, I really love it. In fact, uh, we got a puppy. And, uh, you, you, okay, you, you're going to think I'm weird. But, uh, you know, we, we, we're, so we're doing this fostering for a puppy. We're, he's in a trial period. If we like him, we'll keep him. Um, but as we got this puppy, you know, he's real skittish. And you can tell, in all honesty, we can tell that he came from an abusive situation. You know, anytime a man in particular, even my son, walks in the room, he just, he's afraid. Every loud noise, he's jumping. And so you can, you can think I'm crazy. I took anointing oil. And I laid hands on that dog. <laughs> and I prayed. I prayed for, for a little puppy Cruz, you know. Uh, we prayed for Cruz for healing of his soul, for freedom. No, I'm serious, man. You know, if if it's common in witchcraft for people to to summon what they call familiars and they'll conjure spirits into animals, we see it once in the Bible, and. Uh, and so, man, I don't know what kind of funky situation that dog has come out of, but I know as long as he's in my house, that he's under a, he's under a blood covenant. So we did doggy deliverance last night. So it was great. 
And afterwards, I promise you, you're going to think I'm nuts. After we prayed for him, he was happy. He's wagging his tail, and he's, uh, he was comfortable. He even listened to Mariah when he was, sit, and he did. That rebellious spirit got broke off his life. So if you need doggy deliverance, call Minister Rylin. All right. That has nothing to do with my sermon. So I want to give you three pictures. Now, we talked about <laughs> how, to find a, how to find a good church, okay? They don't need to believe in doggy deliverance in order to be a good church. You can go to churches that... But, uh, um, but why? Why is it important that we participate in the local church? Why is it important that you and I... Well, I, I want to give you three pictures, three illustrations that the Bible gives. These are the three most common pictures that the Bible gives about the church. And every one of them shows a significance in being involved in the body of Christ. There is, uh, well, I just said it, the church is the body of Christ, the church is the bride of Christ, and the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The church is the body, the church is the bride, the church is the temple. Now, that, that first one, I and, and let me just say this. I do believe that we've seen breakout over this last year, in the last year and a half now, with this whole COVID thing. One of the attempts of the enemy, I believe, has been to destroy the coming of people together. We even heard a radio advertisement, and I just, I, I couldn't even believe it. Avoid social gatherings, even if you're fully vaccinated. And I'm listening to this, and I'm like, what? i just tell you guys, listen, this is a big deal. People were made to do life together. The church was made to be together. You can look at the statistics of how suicide rates amongst youth and young people has skyrocketed since kids have been locked up in their bedrooms isolated to computer education now. I'm telling you, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the reasons that we've pushed to start a school so quickly in our, in our church is because, uh, you know, we get kids that are getting kicked out of school and now you got to quarantine and now you can come back. you got to quarantine again. We're not doing that, man. We need people to come together. And one of the attempts of the enemy, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter uh, 10 and verse 24, let us consider one another, another in order to stir one another up to love and good works. Watch this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Did you know? That the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, the more important it's going to be for us to come together. It is more important and it is worth fighting for, friend. It is worth fighting for. That's why I praise God. Kings has had the stance from the moment the pandemic broke out. We're not shutting down church. We're going to provide opportunities to gather together in worship. Now, if you want to come to church with your mask on, praise God. If you got your sanitizer ready in an instant, that's fine. I, you know, that is one blessing that's come out of this pandemic is people have learned to wash their hands. <laughs> praise God. 
That's in the Bible too, by the way. Wash your hands. All right. So, <laughs> so the body of Christ. Can you imagine for a moment? You hear people say all the time, man, I, I love Jesus. I love God. The Bible's got so much good to say, but I can't stand the church. That is like saying, could you imagine saying this to somebody? Try this after the service. I love the things that you say. I love your warm personality. But that body is so ugly, I can't hardly stand to look at it. No, don't try and say that to somebody. But I feel like when we take jabs at the body of Christ, that's exactly what we do. Jesus, I love you, but I cannot stand that ugly body of yours. You try to say that to somebody, you're probably going to be fighting words. Hey, uh, let's go out into the parking lot and talk about this. You understand what I'm saying? This is a big deal. The church is continually called the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says the human body has many parts, uh, but the many parts make up a whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. This was actually the foundation of what we used for our training yesterday, whether you're ministering to children, whether you're smiling at the, at the street corner, waving a sign, we all are a part of the body of Christ. Have you ever had a, like a finger or a, maybe a shoulder, something that gets dislocated? Has anybody ever experienced that? Uh, you broke a bone or something gets disconnected there. It's a, you know, it's a horrible thing. You could, you could dislocate your pinky and your entire hand pretty much becomes useless. And this is my concern for people that, man, I love Jesus, but I don't want to be a part of the local assembly. It's like having a finger that's disconnected to the body of Christ. And I just want to, to say the body of Christ shows us that we are all important and we're all needed to fulfill the ministry of Jesus on the earth. You are needed to fulfill the ministry of Jesus on the earth. It's very important. You know, you just imagine last week, last week we got so blessed. It was, uh, we were honoring his pastor appreciation. And uh, people brought us gifts. And thank you, by the way, so much for all those who, who blessed us and, and brought us things. It was wonderful. But I have one moment distinctly etched in my mind. Uh, Joseph, I believe it was Joseph, at the end of the service brought, or at the end of, our, of that time, brought us an apple pie. I love apple pie. But you just imagine, now trek with me for a moment. I'm, is Joseph here? Is he here? He's here. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hurt your feelings, Joseph, okay? But you just imagine for a moment, if we were standing here, and Joseph comes across this stage, and he catches his foot on a cord and begins to drop the apple pie. You imagine if that apple pie hits the stage. I'm talking about you, Joseph. Imagine if Joseph was carrying this apple pie and drops the apple pie and it smears across the stage. You know what's going to happen? Immediately, gifts in the body of Christ are going to begin to come alive. There is going to be a person with the gift of helps who immediately jumps up and goes and begins grabbing cleaning supplies to begin to move into action. Right? There's going to be a prophet sitting there. I knew that was getting ready to happen. 
You're going to have somebody who's administrative who begins to put together a, a plan or a, here's the process that we need to walk through next time that we deliver a cake or a pie to the pastor, right? There's other people that, you know, you're going to have somebody with the gift of mercy, and they're going to pull Joseph off to the side. And Joseph, I'm so sorry. That could have happened to anybody. It's going to be okay. You understand what I'm saying? You see how the body of Christ is going to move into action. And uh, we're all connected to the body. We need all of those things operating together. Otherwise, we're going to have messes. And we're going to have hurt feelings. We're not... We don't even have people to bring these things. You're, you're necessary for the body to do all that Jesus desires. Now, the next illustration we see is the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. Now, going back to my same illustration, you just imagine if you go to somebody and you say, um, you know, Jacob, I, I love you. You're amazing. You're awesome. I love But that bride of yours... I just cannot stand her. I will say, let's go talk about this outside. You don't begin dogging on my wife, okay? And you just imagine, but, but how do you think? And again, I'm, I'm hanging with this same thought process. How do you think the Lord feels when, when people say, Jesus, I love you, but boy, that bride of yours, I just cannot stand her. Now, the Bible says repeatedly, in Ephesians chapter 5, I love this. It says, Christ loved the church so much that he gave up his life for her. You want to know how much Jesus loves the church? Enough to die for it. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the word. He did this to present her to himself a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fail. I want you to notice here, I'm not saying that the church is perfect. In fact, if you ever find the perfect church, don't go there because you'll ruin it. Okay? I know that the church has spots and wrinkles and blemishes. Even the Bible said that. Right now, we're in process. The washing of the word is making the bride of Christ ready for the return of Jesus. So, what happens is we're going to go through life, and you're going to notice a spot on the bride's dress. Our job is not to criticize the spot. Let's pull together our life group and talk about the spot. Oh, did you see how dirty that was? Did you see how messy that Did you see how goofy they looked? Our job is to make the bride of Christ ready for the return of the bridegroom. So when you see a pimple on the bride, you go up to him and you just, hey, let's take care of this thing. That's our job. We all are beautified. You, you know what the, the purpose of all of us moving into, like, you know, this whole experience team is, uh, <laughs> oh, man. You know, okay, so I'll just tell you. Um, we had a we had a guest pastor who came here a couple of months ago, and uh, we welcomed him up. And brother Jonathan, who's a handsome man, came and uh, and put the lay on on our visiting pastor. And he's like, he's like, you know, I received my first. He told me after the service, he's like, I received my first lay. And he's like, 
I thought it would be like a beautiful Hawaiian woman, not, not a big Samoan man, right? You know, but this is why we're raising up some wonderful women who will be able to do things like deliver a lay or visit because, you know, Jonathan needs to be in security, not, <laughs> not putting lays on people, right? And so, uh, all right, I've taken jabs at Joseph and Jonathan this morning. If you have the gift of mercy, you go comfort those guys after the service and encourage them in the Lord. All right, the last one, worship team, you can come. I'm, I'm pretty much done here. I've had fun preaching today. Have you guys enjoyed that? I feel like we're all awake in the house of God today. So we, uh, the bride of Christ shows us that God loves the church enough to die for, and he's coming back for a bride that's been made ready. The body of Christ shows us we're all important. We're all needed to fulfill the ministry of Jesus on the earth. Now, the third illustration, and this is the most common that we see in Scripture, is that the church, the assembly of the people, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the dwelling place for God Almighty. We read the verse every single week that the Lord is, what is it? We say that He's building a holy temple for the Lord you are being made part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God desires to release and to manifest, to display His glory in our midst. Now, I know the Lord can move out on the streets. I commission people, go do that all the time. But do you understand? I've done studies on this before, and I'm not going to spend time on it today. Just look through the book of Acts and look at every, every Holy Spirit outpouring. Look at every miracle moment. One thing that all of them have in common, almost without fail, the, first, the verse right before that encounter or the verse right after that encounter says, they were all together. They were assembled together. They were in one accord. It's rare to see miracles that happen with one person going down the street and a miracle happened. In fact, I don't know if there are any. It always happened when the people of God came together. Amen. Why? Because we are the dwelling place of the Lord. We are the, we are the outlet through which the Lord desires to manifest His glory. I don't know glory, that's an old school word. You know what glory is? There's a simple definition of glory. Glory is a physical manifestation of an attribute of God. It is a physical manifestation of an attribute of God. God is healer. So if you experience the healing virtue of God, that's glory. God is love. And if you've ever had this moment where you're just flooded with the love of God Almighty, that's glory. That's glory. The power of God coming upon you, shaking, falling, crying, laughing, whatever. 
That's glory, friend. The church desires to display His glory in our midst. Guys, I don't want to settle for anything less than that. It's my earnest prayer that when people come and go from kings, they don't say, wow, that Pastor Jacob's so amazing. Oh, that worship team's so incredible. I mean, we, we strive for excellence. But I want people walking away. I encountered God at that church. I experienced the glory of God in that church. Boy, the Lord spoke to me in that church. I want people, oh, God, you're so incredible. Come on, let's, let's all stand to our feet all across this room. And I just, I want to begin to pray. And let's just begin to ask the Lord to pour out his glory in our midst. Come on, let's just begin to ask Him to make Himself known, to manifest His presence, His power, and His glory in our midst and amongst His people. Oh, Lord, we cry out, even as Moses did, show us Your glory, Lord. We cry out, show us Your glory, Lord. We cry out, make Your presence manifest and known in our midst and amongst this people. Lord, Your love and Your, your care and Your healing and Your joy and your, your presence and Your salvation and the many, many attributes of God. Oh, let it be made manifest. Let it be released in this place, in this house, and over our lives. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome You. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come, show us your glory. Come, show us your presence. Reveal your power in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, we welcome you, Lord. Oh, we welcome you, Lord. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Oh, in Jesus' name.